I'm Johan Martinez Kalilian. As an executive coach, I time travel with people. I help people create their future from their future. One of our guiding principles as coaches is how future-based language transforms the way the world occurs to us. In other words, the way you speak about tomorrow shifts the way you look at the world today. It also shifts how you interact with that world. Join me as we write a letter from the future with love. I don't know about you, but I know I've been guilty of only wanting to share my best moments online. I want to make sure my my outfit's on point. I want to make sure the lighting is just right. And I definitely want to make sure that I don't have anything in my teeth. We're now more than a decade in from the advent of social media, and we've all gotten good at spotting those fakes and those phonies. We're not that long ago, and I'm guilty of this too. My grid was perfectly curated, right? The color scheme, the lighting, the angles, everything. And now something strange has has happened. There's these seemingly haphazard photo dumps online, right? Like people are just kind of throwing up whatever. Even the newest social media kid on the block, Be Real, encourages authenticity by prompting users to share candid photos every day at a random time. Have you guys heard of this yet? One user was so authentic that they caught themselves putting out a fire on camera. Another shared a picture from a funeral because they're committed to just being real. So what is it about authenticity that we crave on our social media feed? Being genuine is a vital part of connecting with followers now more than ever. Consumers are seeking authentic experiences and holding brands accountable for their content. This comes from Forbes reporter Leslie Lecano. And my guest today, Izzy Lugo, my fellow Boricua brother from Chi-Town, says that authenticity is the key ingredient in this recipe to success. Izzy is a fellow sneakerhead and a podcast host. He'll share about his journey to finding himself, as well as the steps he took in order to get to a more authentic place. We also learn about how being authentic allowed him to find his path in his work and its importance to the art of storytelling. Part of what I was interested in diving in with you about was just the future of of content creation, you know, the, the future of social media. Because a lot of, I would say a lot of people complain about social media, its effects on the world. And I'm really interested in where is it going? Where do you see us going 10, 20 years from now? And how is it going to affect the way that we relate to one another? You know, how we influence one another or maybe some of the, the power brokering in our world, you know? You know, we can we can go there, but I'd like to start with how do you get started in this specific arena of, of content creation, storytelling, you know, just having an impact in the social media world? So my launch into content creation is a little bit different than most. I like to say that I actually got started in content creation at 16 with my first job, and I was just working at a mom and pop, played against sports. And... I was controlling oh, their really? Facebook. Yeah, I was controlling their Facebook. At the time, obviously, like Facebook was the wave. And I was controlling, like taking pictures of different inventory that was coming in while also just being a retail sales associate. So I was taking pictures of like all the new bikes that were coming in, uh, baseball gloves coming in, uh, very big hockey scene where I was. So like hockey sticks, like uh, skates, stuff like that. 
And that got me started into the entire thing. Now that I'm looking mm. back on it, I'm like, okay, yeah, that's where I started. But I think outside of that, where the actual content creation for like Instagram and just like being a creator really, really started was a few years ago, I started a account. I think it's still up, honestly. I, it's since dead, but it was called mke.foodie. And I went around Milwaukee and literally just like ate food, talked about like the different things. Uh, I am, I have celiac, so like I have to eat gluten-free. So I would like cover mm. like the places that were gluten-free, few and far between, uh, more growing since. But started working with like local restaurants, like figuring out what they needed, what I needed, everything like that. So that's where I really like started to find myself in like, mm. oh, I actually like creating. and. I can make money off of this and like there's a career path here. So while food is great, I was like, all right, there's gotta be another way I can create in other areas that I'm like (laughs) super, super passionate about. Obviously, I'm passionate like said, about food. food is I great. Like food. It's like, I know we need food. Everybody needs food. Right. Food is great. <laughs> and I wanted to build. <laughs> so I got into sneakers uh, and creating for brands and everything like that, whether it's photography or just short form video content. And I'm having a ton of fun doing it. And it's changed. I mean, even since I, I really got into the sauce, it's it's changing every day. You know, like these yeah. platforms change every day. So what was good yesterday isn't good today. So it's been what's the I mean, what's the hardest part about like content creation itself and then even like making a living through it? The biggest thing I think is what what I struggled with and still struggle with today is the whole imposter syndrome thing where I start to put out content and then I'm like, is this good enough? And I start scrolling, of course. And I think the biggest thing is really just trying to figure out like what is the thing that I'm really, really passionate about? Is it sneakers or is it just creating or is it like the story behind the sneakers or anything like that? And then from there, it's okay, this is why I'm doing it. I'm not doing it because of the likes or the views or anything like that. I'm truly doing it because I want to highlight this story or I highlight the sneaker that I really like. So I think that's the hardest thing. And then outside of that, when you talk like making it a viable career path or making it money off of it in general, I talked about the sales thing. That's something that creatives, even on my show, like creatives struggle with pitching themselves and really like putting themselves out there and being able to have a conversation one-on-one. Like I talked with a creator yesterday that uh, was interested in working with Tradeblock as a creator. And the email pitch was, I said, hey, yeah, he DM'd me. So I was like, here's my email. Like, would love to chat. And his pitch via email was, hey, Izzy, it's X. Uh, this is my email. No pitch, just like, this is my email. And it's like, if we do a better job of educating that next generation or the current generation of creators, like, hey, yeah. when you get someone that might have a budget, you don't just go into it like, hey, this is me. You kind of, <laughs> right. you got to throw your, you got to throw yourself out there, put yourself out there a little bit. So I yeah. think that's a really, really tough point as well. That's like going out on a date and just being like, this, you just say your name. This is my name. Hey, I'm Izzy. So now, yes. <laughs> yeah. And that's it. And so now, don't you want to be with me now? It's like, wait a minute. What? You got you to gotta, you gotta do better than that. You got to do way better than that. Yeah. I mean, you know, because I, I look at just the world of content creation and, and it does, it, feel, it feels like there's so much competition. Like there's so mm-hmm. many voices. There's so many people vying for 
um, whether it be attention, eyeballs, you know, you name it. So for you, like, what's what's the key to to standing above the crowd? I'm I'm just like super big in authenticity, and I'll be real. Like, I was building an agency for a couple, couple like two and a half years uh, before Trade Block, before like really 2020. 2020 took us out, and when I look back on that time, I lost myself completely. Like I lost who mm. I was. I lost like what I was building for and like what I really was passionate about because I wanted to meet the needs of everybody else around me. Right. And when we talk authenticity as a creator, like people see that people see when you're being fake, people see when right. you're not being yourself, especially like the people that you surrounded yourself beforehand with. So when I look back and as I create today, I want to make sure that it's very, very like true to who I am. So whether it's the type of sneakers I highlight or it's the type of people I highlight on my show, it's truly like I want to make sure that I'm doing it the way I want to do it, not the way that X, Y, and Z want to do it. Because if at the end of the day, if it fails, like I want that to be on me because I lo- like I learned from my failures. But moving forward, I just I, I realize. And I've made the mistake already of losing myself. And I realize now, like, like if I put myself out there and start to surround myself with the people that really know me, those are the people that really matter. It's not the people that want me to be like Bill and Jim or like Hector and anybody else like that. It's, it's truly like the people that know me that are that know who Izzy is on an everyday basis and like doesn't I don't have to worry about peeling back a curtain to show people that or anything like that. Yeah. Well, that that brings up so many questions cuz one, how do, how do you define authenticity? I think it's just being 100% you 100% of the time. And that's like I guess that really depends on situations, but like whether it's just it's truly like there's a I have homies on each coast. And like when I was in LA recently, somebody said like, oh, you give off such a West Coast vibe. And then I was in New York recently, they say, oh, you give off such an East Coast vibe. And when I'm in the Midwest, they're like, Izzy, like you give off a vibe from elsewhere, but like you're truly just yourself. And I just, I truly think that for a while, I actually asked my fiance, I was like, do I conform? Like, do I just like, when I am surrounded by a certain type of person do i just only show that side of myself and in reality like i just started to realize like huh there are just bits and pieces that i show of myself that do really like fit in in those scenarios versus like if i, I don't know like the west coast west coast as you know super laid back like they they that's what people say and when you're in new york it to be super straightforward, like stuff like that. And I just, I don't know what it is about it, but like when we talk authenticity, I just try to be at least the pieces of myself that really shine through 100% of the time. And like, to be honest, like I hide some of it at the same time. Well, I think that's the thing, you know, because I I like authenticity is one of those buzzwords that people use all the time. You know, Mm -hmm. folks like to talk about authenticity as, you know, even like one of their primary values and why you need to be authentic. You need to be true to yourself, obviously not being fake. And I feel like being a parent especially has helped me realize sometimes how shallow our version of authenticity is. So I'll I'll Mm -hmm. give an example. 
So like with that notion of authenticity, it's like, I just, I want to be true to myself or I want to be a hundred percent me all the time. Sometimes I want to stay sleeping. And like, yeah. you know, my daughter's like crying, you know, or she, she wants something and I'm actually moving away from my authentic reaction in order to provide her need, mm-hmm. you know? And so I think this is the balance, right? Where it's like, right. what does it look like to sometimes understand that our authentic response may not be what's required for the moment or what's best for maybe our vision for who we want to be or how we want to serve the people in our life or maybe even like this content that we want to create. And I think that's part of this tension of authenticity, you know? And, yeah. and I think actually the more that we know ourselves, the more we can choose a moment that may not feel authentic for the sake of a bigger picture. Does that make sense? No, that makes a ton of sense. It's it's crazy because I've been with my fiance now for six years. And we talk about like that first year, year and a half was a little rough. Like we were just like low-key finding out stuff about each other and ourselves uh while like we had both graduated college like got the jobs like like literally truly like i guess kind of becoming adults like stuff like that and when i look back on just that journey uh and our journey so far to this day it's just truly like as we started to find out more about ourselves we became more comfortable in the relationship and that can go so much right. like that can be applied everywhere. So, yeah, I can com- I completely agree. And there's as a coach, you know, because as you know, I do uh, I'm an executive coach. And yeah. um, one of the things that we talk about with our clients is this idea of full participation. And essentially what we talk about is if you want to create the maximum value in whatever it is that you're up to, that only comes from full participation. And then mm-hmm. we get a little bit clear with, okay, well, what does it mean to fully participate? Because I think most of us have tons of variations of ideas of what that looks like and means. And yeah. so what we invite people into stepping into is defining full participation by this idea of becoming whoever you need to become in order to accomplish what you're committed to. Mm. Right? So it's becoming whoever you need to become in order to accomplish what you're committed to. So I'll give, I'll give a little example of that too. I consider myself a problem solver and yeah. I love I love the fact that I am a problem solver. And in my marriage there are times where my wife comes up to me and she's like I want to I want to share a problem or I want to talk about what happened at work or I want to give you like a, a complaint about what's going on and immediately my mind kicks into okay great thanks for sharing that with me here here's what I suggest that help mm-hmm. like <laughs> I'm going to solve the problem for you and she doesn't yep. ask for it and then, you know, eventually what ends up happening is she's like, hey, can you just like listen? <laughs> yep. Absolutely. You know, can you just like hear me? Can you just like empathize or understand? And I'm like, yeah, of course. Like, and I feel like I got the I got I got the solution, you know what I mean, to the problem. <laughs> and and it comes, it's unnatural for me because, mm-hmm. you know, I I think I see the pathway for her <clears throat> and I want to give it to her. But that's not what she requires in the moment, right? Like she's actually asking me for something different. And so what I kind of ground myself in is, oh, am I committed to with my wife? Oh, I'm committed to intimacy and connection. If that means that at times I need to shift away from my natural inclination of problem solving 
Am mm-hmm. I willing to do that? Or, you know, and again, this goes back to the authenticity conversation, right? Yeah. It's like, that doesn't feel authentic to me, right? I ground myself in, okay, can I, can I choose from an authentic place to also be a listener before I am a problem solver? Absolutely. Because that's going to create the connection and the intimacy and the closeness with my wife. And that's me fully participating in my relationship, you know? Yep. And I think, you know, as we talk about this, because this obviously is coming up organically, you know, as we talk about what, what does it look like to be a creative? What does it look like to, even you brought up that example, hey, if you're a creative who doesn't know how to sell yourself, there's an authentic way to do that, right? Like you don't have to sell out in order to, to learn how to connect to other people so that you highlight the beauty of your work. Committing to an authentic lived experience comes with its own growing pains. According to Gay Hendricks, author of The Big Leap, there are four zones of function, incompetence, competence, excellence, and genius. Most people work within their zone of competence or zone of excellence. But the zone of genius, see, that's that's the sweet spot. In this zone, you capitalize on your natural abilities, which are innate, rather than learned. This is the state in which you get into flow. Find ceaseless inspiration and seem to not only come up with work that is distinguished and unique, but also do so in a way that excels far and beyond what anyone else is doing. Success follows suit of people that are working from their zone of genius and Izzy's lived experiences and growth allowed for this shift in his mindset. But this shift didn't come without a cost. It came with heartache, pain, and lots of decision-making. There's no single recipe for success. And of course, hard work is always a key ingredient. But more and more, we see that owning your story and creating meaning from your experience can be a factor as well. Whether you're starting your own business, training for a marathon, or simply sharing your work online, a heartfelt and honest story will always allow others to connect to you and your mission in a truthful way. The vulnerability may be uncomfortable, but my friends, I'm telling you, the results are 100% worth it. When I look back on my time in sports and why I didn't like sales at that point, it was very much obviously results driven. It was like, yeah, you, you got to hit X number of dollars in sales per month, whatever. But then two, it was very much like, even if it isn't a fit, continue to like try to sell it to them. And when I look at Strange on Purpose or when I look at like campaigns I've been on or anything like that, and I had to pitch myself, it was actually the opposite. My my entire sales strategy was the opposite of it. Where, And I take this approach with everyone, where whether you're jumping on my show or whether you're hiring me to host something for you or just like create content for you, I will walk away from a deal if I am not a a good fit. And like Mm -hmm. where there are specific times in my sales journey in sports where they told me, do not walk away from a deal at any point because you need to make this sale. I'm taking the complete opposite approach where I'm saying, this that this truly isn't a fit for me, or this isn't a, like I don't think I'm a fit for you. So, how about yeah. I recommend a few people or creatives for you, and then we move on from this, and maybe over time this works out. 
But I think there comes a time where you have to be comfortable with saying no. And I think that all shines through with the whole like sales through being authentic and everything. That whole conversation we just had is like at the end of the day, you have to be comfortable in your own skin and saying one no and avoid like saying no to these like opportunities that you may think at the time they'll never come. But once you start to realize like this isn't a fit for me right now or maybe not a fit for me in general, like you'll start to align yourself with the true fits as you go out and throughout your journey. And that's, you know, because I think what ends up happening, especially in the sales world, is there's so many folks that are rooted in scarcity. So they're Mm -hmm. afraid that if I don't say yes to this, even though it's not in alignment with my values or my vision, if I don't say yes, I may not be able to pay bills or whatever. So a lot of folks lower the bar because they're rooted in a scarcity mindset instead of being rooted in a totally different mindset, which is like, okay, there's more than enough. I'm going to connect with someone eventually where I align with the type of content that I want to create, the type of collaboration that that I want to experience. And I'm going to stay persistent with that. Absolutely. Like that's a totally different energy. It's tough. It's, it's, it's true. It's like, especially as a new creative, I'll share an example. Like when I first jumped into sneakers and like creating content in general. I was approached by a startup that needed help on the content creation end and worked with them for a month. And I saw signs written on the wall like, this isn't a good use of their funds on me right now. Hmm. So I had to, I sat down with the CEO and said, Hey, this isn't a good use of your funds right now. Let's figure out a solution moving forward so that we'll find the right identi- like identify the right creative or the right person for you in this. But at the same time, that was my only source of income. I had no other clients at the time te- at the time. I had no full-time job at the time or anything like that. Wow. So could I have continued to take this dude's money? Yeah. Yeah. But at the end of the day, now that he knew moving like a few months later, now that he knew, like, hey this is the type of campaign that Izzy works on and would like excel on. Hmm. We found him the right creative. And a few months later, we ended up working together in an, yeah. a capacity that like I shined in versus like under delivered on. And like, Man. were those yeah. few months like kind of hard? Yeah. But like at the end of the day, if you want something, you have to be comfortable with just miss, not missing out on those opportunities, but like just finding the right ones, I think. Well, where'd you learn that value? Cause that, I feel like that's pretty rare, you know? Cause most people again would be like, I got to eat right now. So I'm just gonna, this is in front of me. I'm gonna eat this and then. Yeah, honestly, I think that's come over time just by making bad decisions. Mm. And like, I've written about this on LinkedIn, talked about it on podcasts and everything like that. And like the whole bad decision thing, like blatant honesty, I'm still paying for the old company. Like mm. most of my checks are going towards that, but like, now moving forward, I understand that there are going to, like, I know where to go right instead of going left. And I think all those values and everything that I've been, I've put into place today has really come from me failing in, in the short term. So hopefully I'm 28 today. Uh, hopefully I don't make a really bad decision moving forward, but like all those failures that I have had, it have all like just built up into this place where now I'm like, okay, I know who I am. I know what I want to work on. And I don't have everything figured out, but I, I know these few things I'm just going to build on. Well, and you're, you're young blood, 28 years old. You know, I'm, 
I'm 42. And <laughs> it's true, like, you, you know, to be able to learn from painful moments of life is, mm -hmm. is one of the most important attributes to have just as a human being. And I think what's ironic is many of us run away from pain. We, we want to avoid pain. We want to make sure that we're not failing. We want to make sure that we're looking good all the time. And we end up preventing some of the, the most powerful lessons that I think we could learn. You know, so Absolutely. It's, it's, it's really dope to see you at what I would say is you're still still young, but at 28, <laughs> really taking some of this wisdom in that life has for you and growing and getting better from what some may call the mistakes. But to me, yeah. I, I just look at it like the classroom of life. Exactly. I think there's a time, this might go back to the, the Puerto Rican heritage, but like more than anything, like my dad and, and my mom, most of my family always told me like, grew up playing baseball, like any most Puerto Ricans. So like, I think one of the coolest things about that in general is like specific like baseball is a game of straight failure most of like most of the time but all the time i always had people saying like you suck this game but are you going to sulk in it or are you going to play better in the in the next game of the doubleheader or anything like mm -hmm. that and i'm a huge baseball fan to this day like yeah. it taught me a lot taught me how to handle handle my anger most of the time but like more than anything just truly from those things that those little nuggets that my dad would tell me and my grandparents, my mom, truly like I still use those to this day, like approach life to that day, to this day. And I see mm. people that maybe didn't have the outside influences that I had the luxury of having that make that left instead of making that right. And then like mm -hmm. end up, like you said, and reference run running away. And and trying to right. run away from the pain, the problems, the financial wariness of the, every situation. But at the end of the day, if you just like step up to the plate and not to bring in a baseball reference, but step into well, it, step yeah, up let's, into let's the plate the and just face it. Yeah, you just got to yeah. face it at some point. And whether it's going to be now or 10 years from now, I'm sure it's going to be a lot better if it's now. Um, moving, And then you just learn from it moving forward. Yeah, don't 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 be afraid to to use those baseball metaphors. I think there's a lot <laughs> yeah. of powerful ones because it's true, right? Where you know, life will throw curveballs. How do you handle yeah. that? You know, you will strike out. How do you how exactly. do you handle that? You will get hit by a pitch. <laughs> how do you handle that? You know what I mean? No, it's funny because like I approach every situation like a puzzle actually, where like okay, what's the missing puzzle piece here that like I need to find to figure out like I can finish finally finish out this puzzle type of thing. So like whether it's a problem at work or whether it's uh, a lack of guests for strange on purpose or my dog sick. Like I, I just truly think that everything can be figured out. It's just do yep. I freak out at sometimes? Hell yeah. Like most of us do. But giving <laughs> allowing yourself to freak out and then saying taking that breath and saying okay, I think I could figure this out. I, I think that's yeah. where we start to grow and figure out what those next steps are for that growth. I don't know if you've ever heard of, there's a book called Anti-Fragile. Have you heard of it? Yeah. Um, I, I haven't read it. I've heard of it. Uh, I believe the author's name is Nassim Taleb. The, the core concept that he's playing with is there are fragile folks in the world who essentially would be people where 
tough stuff happens to them and they crumble, you know, like mm -hmm. they break, they really can't handle it. Uh, and then there's people who are resilient where you go through tough stuff and then you basically experience all of it, but then you go back to normal, you know, whatever your normal state was. And then he talks about the anti-fragile person is a different beast altogether because what they do is they go through the storms, the difficulty, and they come back stronger. Yep. Like it's not just you go through it and then you're like, okay, I'm back to normal again because you know how to withstand it. It's more yeah. about you experience all the heat, you experience all the pressure, and as a result, you expand and grow and become stronger. And I think that is part of the key, you know, at least a little bit of what we're talking about is like, what does it look like to live in a world where you can't help the fact that the tough stuff is going to come come at you? Mm -hmm. What type of person are you going to be? Are you going to be the, the fragile person who breaks as a result? Are you going to do what, you know, a lot of people do, which is like, I go through it. Okay, I'm back to normal. Or are you actually going to expand and grow and become a stronger human being as a result of the storm? That's a totally different, you know, way of approaching things and a totally different mindset. I love that. I, I, it's just I've seen it from friends and from family and everything like that. I've seen all three scenarios, right? And I, I think where at least from my standpoint, I keep looking at it as like, damn, this sucks that this happened, but I have so much more I want to accomplish. So I can't, mm -hmm. I can't like break down. I have to yeah. just build off of it and keep going. So I love that. I really do. Yeah, it sounds like you have a strong vision. And that's one of the things that when I work with clients is just helping them understand, you know, if you don't have a strong vision, you are going to crumble. Mm -hmm. But when you have that anchor, when your values are clear, when your vision is clear, there is that ability to withstand the storm and keep moving forward, you know, and keep growing, keep approaching things. I, I, I wanted to ask, because you had mentioned you kind of lost yourself for a little bit. And I'm, I'm curious about like, how'd you notice that you'd lost yourself and then what helped you find your way back home, so to speak? Basically how I actually noticed it was a year later after, mm. after I had like, when I actually had time to reflect like, huh, why did I make this decision? Or why was I acting like that? And then I got like super, super open with my fiance, Aaron. And I was like, Hey, have I changed in the last year? And like, her being open with me telling me the things that I had changed and like the decisions that I made in the past that like today's Izzy wouldn't just really open the door to one that reflection but then two like okay how do I avoid doing that moving forward because I don't yeah. want that again one of the big things that I really found out about myself was at that time I ever since I was little I have been a leader whether good or bad, uh, getting into trouble or just like, I guess, doing good things on teams and sports and everything like that. And during this time, I was not at all. I was just following, hmm. following someone else's vision and uh, a vision that I thought was clear, but wasn't. And when it came down to it, I paid tremen tremendously, right? So both literally and figuratively, when it came time in that conversation with her a year or so later, I was like, huh, what was different about this scenario? And I found myself, I, that's when I really started to see 
through videos, through content I was putting out at the time and everything like that. It was truly like, mm. huh, I'm, I was just following at this point. And not saying that following is bad, but following, I guess, the wrong person and yeah. the wrong situations and, and not following blindly more specifically is like what I was doing and ended ended up being like a pretty bad decision that I had to learn from. Interesting. Well, it sounds like, I mean, because on, on one side, I see an openness and a humility to get introspective and to see what you're missing, you know, to see any blind spots that you may not be aware of. And again, that's that's a rare trait. So I acknowledge you for that. It's just being being able Appreciate to say, it. hey, I want to like I want to see what I can't see. And for, you know, especially I would say, you know, in the Puerto Rican world, there is that machismo. But to open yourself up to your, you know, fiance and say, hey, do you see something that I can't that I can't see? Mm-hmm. You know, because most wouldn't do that. Exactly. And it's funny because like mentioned baseball earlier, like I've never been the best with feedback mm. up until a few couple of years ago. like feedback was i used to get mad when i heard my dad at games if i was pitching or just at the plate and i heard him like do this do that i'm like dad go like at points i would say please go sit in the outfield don't sit next to home plate because i it would piss me off he knew what he was talking about like to this day like mad that i didn't listen to him he knew what he was talking about Mm -hmm. but like just me being who i was just i didn't like hearing it and when i was reflecting after the time that I was being the follower, I remember feedback that Aaron was giving me at the time that I wasn't hearing because Izzy didn't want to hear it. Mm. So I think now today where I sit, I am getting better at it. I wouldn't say I'm the best at it, but like yeah. I'm, I acknowledge the fact that I'm bad at it. And mm. I think for the longest time, it might've been a reason why I was never the best student or anything like that too. It's just like, I not good with feedback and it's something that again i'm trying to build on and everything like that but it's it's also something that like as creatives like that's very very hard to hear yo this this sucked or like you need to go back and do this instead like it's something that i feel like all of us need to hear and realize like we need it moving forward too well it's interesting because 100 you know i grew up as a basketball player and the constant feedback that you would experience from a coach to me was like, oh, like I never, I don't remember hating it. You know, I don't remember being like, mm-hmm. forget you, you don't know what you're talking about. Because I was really interested in getting better. Like I, I just wanted to know what was the pathway to becoming the best basketball player, you know, that I become. And so nice. I would embrace that, like, all right, keep my elbow in. All right. And I, I would say I loved offense but hated yeah. defense. And that, that was the constant <laughs> feedback that I would get from coach. You need to play D, you need to play D, you need to move, you know, you need to do this. And I would say that's where I had the most resistance, but I was really open to feedback offensively. And so sometimes mm. it's it's that as we unpack this, right? Sometimes we're really open in a certain area of feedback because we're so interested in growth and then closed off in another area for feedback because maybe we're afraid of what it takes to get there, you know? And so I don't, because I, I, when I hear you say, I'm not good at feedback, I don't, part of me is like, oh, I don't buy it because I see you leaning in and it might be like some of this nuance. There's certain areas where you're open to it and other areas where you're a little bit more closed off for certain reasons. 
And I think that's some of the, um, the textured nature of how we approach it, how we approach the things that we care about and hearing some of the feedback from the outside world. Absolutely. I think it goes back to the, the failure piece too. Like a lot of things when I was reflecting, a lot of things that I wasn't hearing and to this day, like struggle with hearing feedback on are a lot of the things that I know I'm not good at. Right. Mm-hmm. So yeah. um, instead of like, I, I'm completely fine with hearing feedback on uh, things that I'm good at because I know like, okay, I'm good at it. I can get better at it. Right. But I don't, for whatever reason, my brain doesn't work the same way when I hear like, I'm not good at it. I know I can get better at it, but like, I'm not good at it. Because I think when our identity is solidified in a certain area, we're more prone to hearing some feedback when we like, oh, I don't know who I am. And, you know, it, I think it all connects to this authenticity conversation, right? If there was a theme to today's conversation, I think it's that's a part of it. The more confident I am in a specific arena, I am going to be more open to the outside feedback. But the more insecure I am, the more unaware I am, right? I may want to stay asleep and push feedback away because I don't want to see something in some of those dark places. Connection across communities, as I mentioned before, has been the root of social media. I mean, Facebook first started as a social media networking service limited to Harvard students, and now the behemoth of 2.94 billion monthly active users as of March 2022. During the pandemic, I was spending tons more time on my phone, as I'm sure many of you listening were. And while I was chatting and messaging and Zooming more often, and with people that I had lost connection with in my day-to-day life, for obvious reasons, I was still feeling disconnected. Now, this isn't unusual. In fact, this is completely to be expected. Our brains just didn't evolve for this kind of pseudo-intimacy. Early humans sat around the campfire, and they looked up at the stars. They were mesmerized by the flickering flames and the way the shadows danced around them. They made up stories about those stars and codified those stories into the cave walls where they dwelled. In this sense, our early ancestors were creating their own kind of social media network. A place where they could share ideas and pass down knowledge. A place where they could make a record that they were here. Where do you think we're headed? Because I feel like we live in a world where content creation, if we want to call, you know, any piece of information or art that lives online can serve a lot of purposes. And, you know, people talk about it sways elections. Some people say, well, it can cause wars. It can it can divide countries. You know, (laughs) you look at the Amber Heard, Johnny Depp trial. It's like it according to Amber Heard. It's because of social media that she lost. And right. it was unfair representation, right? So we can paint things in, in a negative way to be like, look at how much damage is caused by the content that exists online. I tend to think of it as, you know, there there is always a both end. There's always a yin and yang. Because I also right. think, well, you know, it can bring people together. It can communicate the truth. Yep. It can push forward beauty. It can highlight narratives that we weren't aware of before. There's so much that we can experience with this beautiful mechanism of social media. Where do you think we're headed? What do you think the future of social media is going to be? Is it going to bring us closer, farther apart? So I'm a big uh, believer in Web3, no matter what's going on in markets right now or anything like that. And 
no matter anyone's opinion on NFTs or crypto, whatever. Um, the biggest thing for me is like when I look at the future of social media, it through the power of uh, metaverse or anything mm -hmm. like that. I, I truly think like it's going to be able to truly connect people of all walks of life. Like, let's be honest. I can go right now onto my Instagram or my TikTok, type in Yugoslavia and find people from there. And like, I can send DMs and possibly connect, which yeah. is really cool. But I think with the power of the, the, the next level of web, web three, I think it truly is going to show that specific for a creative area it's like you can be a creative and one make a ton of money off of it like mom and dad this isn't your type of creative but then two it's truly like we can start to create communities that are not just in local ecosystems or create right. communities that like maybe you're not into sneakers but you truly love the look of them or like you like photography or for uh, taking uh, photographs of them or anything like that. I truly think that the future of social content creation or anything like that, while can, it can be used bad, I think if used correctly, it truly can, it, it's going to connect, connect people and allow people to show certain parts of themselves that even right now they aren't really comfortable with showing. I think that for sure. Uh, and then just to to speak to the power of it, like, specific to sneakers like you you can see a leaked image of a sneaker and you click on the comments of the complex posts or whatever and you'll see a mass majority of people saying either i need to grab these or these are trash and immediately right. be influenced like maybe i shouldn't buy those right yeah. So instead of just looking at the picture and saying like, damn, these are dope. I'm definitely going to try to grab them when they drop. People immediately look for that instant feedback. Like, oh, do people want these? If so, mm. I'm going to try to grab them. Yeah. So I think in the future, and maybe we're getting to it with like, obviously Instagram limiting, like how many people can see the number of likes that you see um, on your images or maybe TikTok will go that way and everything like that. I truly think there's going to be, I guess, a, a metaverse or a world in general that like people don't look for that first. They truly look right. to be influenced or be connected with someone first without actually forming an opinion on something Yeah, based off a post or anything like that. Yeah, I think what, I mean, to me, what's really fascinating about the existence of social media, how we interact with it, what it exposes is really like a, a global consciousness. Mm -hmm. You know, like we get to we get to really interact with the consciousness of of a whole world. You know, where it's where you look on Instagram, and you know, almost I don't I don't want to communicate this without it being accurate, but there are tons of countries around the world present on Instagram and you get to see, well, how do, how do we think in Cambodia? How do we think in Australia? How do we think, you know, in Spain? Yeah. And what does that mean for us? Like, how do we want to interact with that? Because I think it's sometimes easy to just say, oh, well, look, everybody's trolling. You know, you look at a, a, yeah. a specific post and like, oh, everybody's trashing it. 
But then we don't highlight the other side of it to be like, hey, look, everybody's praising this artwork here or everybody's celebrating, you know, one of those reunion videos that could be online. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it is a, it is a great reflection of who we are currently. And that's part of why I'm so fascinated to be like, how can we maximize that as who are creatives, as people who are storytellers and keep bringing stories to the table that actually develop our consciousness in in a beautiful way, in a more powerful way. I think it's doing things like you're doing right now. Uh, honestly, that I do with Strange on Purpose, it's finding the stories and finding mm -hmm. the stories that are... One of the things that I'm super passionate about with Strange on Purpose is I don't like to have a bunch of... Like somebody on that has a bunch of followers or anything like that, because more likely they've told their story 10 million times. And like mm -hmm. Strange on Purpose is just another checkbox. Whereas yeah. some of my best episodes have truly been, hey, this is the first time I share the story, but I was a DACA recipient and I now work for Adidas. Mm -hmm. And this is the story of how I ended up doing this. And just like sharing those stories and showing that it can happen, I feel like is the future. Like people are looking for it right now. And have, I mean, have yeah. been for a little bit now. And I just think as time goes on, it's going to be less about what Kim and Kanye did today and mm -hmm. more about like what, I don't know, like what we're doing right now. Just the stories yeah. we're being, we're being told and being shared with on an everyday basis is what hopefully what, how society is really going towards. Like, I want to hear what my neighbor has been through, but we haven't actually had a real conversation before, but yeah, it would be awesome too. And I think that's where it's headed. You know, to me, I I think us bringing up authenticity here, I think we're moving to a more authentic place. I think what it's helping us to see too is like for a while, everything was so perfectly curated and we have, you know, these people that we celebrate because they have the image that we yeah. think is ideal. And I think what's, what's happening over time is starting to really dislike the perfect curation. We're starting to really dislike people who, who come across as having it all together. And we're, we're to more and more celebrate, hey, I'm, you know, whether it be the, the post with somebody with no makeup saying, this is how I really look. Or I forget there's a, there's a, she's so hilarious and she's like a, a mom. Um, I think she had a teaching background and she just comes on and, and she shares, Hey, here's what I'm struggling with today emotionally, you know? And yeah. I think we, we, that's the type of future that where we can see this authenticity, this vulnerability, this realness that also exists around the world. I think that's part of my hope for where we continue to grow so that we can see, we don't have to have it all together. And we're more connected than we may think because all of us struggle with something. And you see the, even from the actual brand perspective, you see the push towards, I guess I would say the algorithm push towards more of those types mm -hmm. of things, right? Less right. of the very put together uh, photo that somebody spent a lot of time on. Don't get me wrong. But at the end of the day, like not many will appreciate it for what it's worth and like the the thing that with trade blocks specifically and like what i'm doing with stranger on purpose is like i encourage the rough styles of content always being mm -hmm. pushed out like you had a phone you can make content and like 
that's what we as a society like everybody thought for the longest time like oh i can't do it on my phone that person has a camera i can't take the same picture or i can't take the same video whereas for lack of better like this phone this iphone 13 i have is probably better than most entry-level cameras out there so what what's really stopping us is it truly the fact that you don't trust your equipment in front of you or is it truly you're like being influenced by outside perceptions that aren't really true or honest at all and i think that's another thing is what's what social media is is it's decentralizing the people who tell the stories or communicate the news like it's now regular everyday people are saying nope I'm going to tell you what's actually going on instead of being beholden to, you know, whether it be CNN, Fox News, whatever it is. Right. Now, now real people can say here's what's going on boots on the ground. So there there's that angle of it too where now I think we can see a, a more full-fledged nuanced picture of what it means to be human because we're not depending on a big news network or a big TV station to create the content. Now it's regular folks like you and I who say, "Hey, we have a voice too." And we're not going to wait to be heard. We're, we're going to start telling our stories. We're going to invite our brothers and sisters on to tell their stories instead of waiting for somebody who is like one of the power brokers of the world. It's funny you bring that up because forgetting her last name, Bianca Granlau, I think, on Instagram. She was a reporter in Miami for the longest time. She's Puerto Rican from the island. She would go back to the island and see what was going on and wonder why no, no one was ever reporting on it. And when COVID happened, I think she lost her job, ended up moving back to the island with her family and said, you know what, I'm going to start a TikTok account and just reporting and start reporting what's actually going on in this island. People coming in, buying apartment complexes, kicking everyone out and putting up a multi-million dollar home and like doing these a whole bunch of different things. And her actually reporting boots on the ground. Hey, this is no bias, but this is what actually went on on the island today. Mm. And since I saw like her first video, she's blown up. Yeah, I've Puerto seen Ricans from stuff. everywhere are following her and like just staying in touch with what's actually going on on the island. Like yesterday, I saw that she posted about like the power company. Like somebody had a ten thousand dollar light bill because like the power company is charging so much money for power and light. So like electricity, and that wasn't an any media station in Puerto Rico. Mm. So just like those types of things being reported on what's actually going on to everyday people, not just the, again, the Kims and the Kanye's in the world is yep. truly where we're, we're all headed. And I, I love to see it at the end of the day, because those, those are the stories that truly matter moving forward as well. Yeah. And I, I would say, you know, as we wrap it up, it's because of brothers like you that the future of social media content creation is looking really hopeful. So you know that. that's part of why I wanted to, to have you on so we could really chop it up, have this conversation and you know provide some inspiration, insight and some hope for where we have, we're headed and maybe even spark somebody who was on the about creating their own content. You know, it's like we need you. We need we need voices that have something to say and then want to push the consciousness forward. Dear citizen of the past, In this world, everyone lives authentically. People are true to themselves and their values, and they're honest with others. 
There is no pretense or deception, and people are free to be who they are. This world is a place of genuine connection, where people can relate to each other on a deep, deep level. There's a sense of unity and community, and people work together to make life better for everyone. You see, this world is a place of love, acceptance, and understanding. When a story is told with sincerity and honesty, it has the ability to touch our hearts and minds in a way that a fabricated story could never. And let's be clear, there is a distinction between fiction and fabrication. Fiction can still carry the authenticity that allows us to connect with one another on a deep level, and it is this connection that makes stories powerful. We crave authenticity, my friends. We want to know that we are not alone in our experiences. We want to know that others have gone through similar trials. When we read a story that is authentic, it gives us a sense of comfort and understanding. It helps us to see that our experiences are valid and that we are not in this world alone. Authenticity allows stories to be timeless. We return to these stories again and again because they speak to something universal. They resonate with us. And this is the reason that I am writing to you from the future with love, so that you could hear the story of a world that is better. It is better because of you. It is better because of the stories that you tell. It is better because of the stories that you're living. It is better because of the vision that you have had and that you have created for our world right now. My friends, I beg you, embrace the power of your authentic story. Take steps day after day after day to risk and choose adventure, to be real, to be you, to be human. It is for that reason that I'm writing to you from the future with love. Thank you for listening to this episode of From the Future with Love. We are thankful to all of you for supporting the show during the year that changed us forever. Thank you for being a part of our community and for sharing our content on social media. Leave us a review and let us know what you think of this episode. See you next time on From the Future with Love. From the Future with Love was written and performed by yours truly, Johan Martinez Kalilian, produced by Rithu Jagannath and Matthew Jones, executive produced by Jason Jaggard, fact-checked by Rithu Jagannath, editing, mix and tech production by Hammond Chamberlain, photography by Jess Kaler, and graphic design by Ivan Lizarde. Thanks again, my friends. Until next time.